0: What do you do when there's nothing you can do? That's a question that we asked last week, and we began to talk about that in terms of our life, in terms of those situations that we find ourselves in when we never expected to be there, we didn't want to be there, but there we are. And we look at our life and we realize it just is what it is. And it looks like it's going to be that way for a good while. What do you do? when you find yourself in those situations? What do you do when you look at your marriage and your marriage is not what you want it to be? But he doesn't want to change and she doesn't want to change and it looks like that's just the way it's going to be. It's just your new normal. What do you do when you find yourself divorced? What do you do when you find yourself single? What do you do when there's really nothing that you can do? If there was, you would do something. You look at your financial goals and all the hopes and the dreams and the, fun- and the things that you thought were going to happen, they're just not going to happen. Not anytime soon. But this is what it is. And you might as well get used to it. Or your children are hurting. Your children have made mistakes. Your children have closed doors that you wanted to be open to them. You find yourself with family that you didn't ask for, but there they are. What do you do when your body begins to break down and the doctors tell you that you have a disease and this disease, it it probably won't kill you anytime soon, but there's not a whole lot they can do about it. You're just going to have it and you're probably going to have it for the rest of your life. What do you do when there's nothing that you can do? Last week, we talked about where God was. And we looked at examples in the Word of God. We looked at the life of John the Baptizer and the life of Lazarus. People that Jesus knew and people that Jesus loved who were going through situations just like you go through. Situations that were bad. Situations that they couldn't do anything about. It just was what it was. And we understood that even in those times, Jesus was there. He was not absent. He was not apathetic. He was not indifferent to who they were. And God wasn't angry at them. As a matter of fact, God loved them. This morning, I want us to to continue to go along this journey to come to a place where we can begin not only to stop being mad at God for where we find ourselves in life, but we can actually praise God for where we find ourselves in life. You see, all throughout the Bible, we have people who are hurting. And we find people who are suffering. And we find people that the devil is running with rampage in their life. I think about people like Joseph when he found himself thrown into a pit by his own brother, sold as a slave, left to rot in prison. I think about people like Esther... That a decree, had been, a decree had gone forth from the king that everyone who was in her family, everyone in the Jewish nation, was going to be wiped off the face of the earth by order of the king. I think about people. I think about people like Paul with his thorn in the flesh. I think about people like Job, who went to a funeral to bury all ten of his children. I think about people like Jesus. Who prayed in the garden about what was waiting? About what was waiting for him that next day? All people had looked at their life, and they were in situations which were terrible situations, and there wasn't a lot that they could do about it. It just is what it is. It's their new normal. The amazing thing about all of those characters, and the thing that I want us to focus on this morning, the thing that gave them such strength, and the thing that makes them inspirations, I believe, even to us today, is that in those moments when Satan was raging in their life, they felt the hand of God. I want us, as we look at our own lives to be able to look and to acknowledge the hardships and the struggles and the suffering that we can go around the room with, can't we? I mean, one of the interesting things to me last week was talking to you guys after the sermon and everyone telling, telling me about, this is my thing. This is my new normal. This is what I'm dealing with. And some had to do with family and some had to do with health and some had to do with finances and some had to do with stuff I would have never even thought about. But it's your reality. It's that normal that you never thought you would have, but you wake up with it every day. You brought it to this place here this morning. It's just the way it is. I want us this morning to walk away not downplaying the difficulty. Some of the things that you share, I don't think there would be a way to downplay them. But to walk away understanding that in the midst of that difficulty, in the midst of that new normal of life, we serve a God who has a purpose for that suffering and who has a promise for those who are struggling in the midst of it. You know, as we open up our Bibles, we we come to understand that those who wrote the Bible, those great heroes of the faith, they were no strangers to the types of things that we deal with on almost a daily basis. Uh, Sometimes when people begin to preach and to promote ideas of a prosperity sort of gospel, a wealth and a health, and you serve Jesus and all your problems are going to go away, I I almost just want to stop and say... Have you read the Bible? Because all throughout the Bible, we see the greatest men of God who have got some pretty big struggles. Who have got some pretty great struggles. We've got a Savior who didn't even have a place to lay His head. They are not strangers to adversity. As a matter of fact, as I read through the Bible, it seems that at times that adversity even becomes the fuel for their faith. It becomes the thing that propels them in their faith to a deeper, to a more intimate, to a more spiritual place. You see, it is not a matter of getting up and preaching and talking about the Gospel from, from, some, from, from some ivory tower that is disconnected to life. They lived life. They faced great grief and hardship and adversity, but yet they believed in spite of, Of what they dealt with. In spite of their struggles. And the challenge for us is not to come to a place where we can get rid of all of our problems. Because we will never get there. As much as I would like to get there. As much as I would like for you to get there. As much as I would like for this church to get there. It is never going to happen. Because it never has happened. Until we go to be with our Lord in heaven. That's one of the things that ought to cause us to hunger and to thirst for eternal glory. Because this world is not perfect. Because this world is filled with shortcomings. May we be a people that believe in spite of those things. That is what faith is about. And this this morning, I want us to focus in on one individual. One individual who was an incredible man of faith but yet struggled with a, with a very new normal in his life. I want us to talk, if we could, about the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is no stranger to anybody who's here, right? I mean, the Apostle Paul, who was that man who used to be the, the, the great persecutor of the church, he's the man who used to take people like you and like me and drag us out of places like this to put us into prison. He's the person who thought that we deserved to die. Do you believe that? Do you understand the significance of that? He believed that you ought to die for the profession that you make of believing in Jesus Christ. That's who Paul was. And then he met Jesus. Then he had that Damascus experience and and that light that he saw on, on that road as he was on his way to persecute other people. And he changed. Everything about him changed. As a matter of fact, when... When, when Paul went to, to the Jerusalem church and he said, I want to be a part of your church, what do the people do? They, they, they recoiled because they said, I can't imagine how someone like him could be a part of us. Because of the contrast. Because that's what Jesus will do to your life. That's what Jesus has done to so many of your lives. He changes your life. He takes you and He makes you and He uses you and He molds you. And Paul found himself as one of the greatest preachers of the gospel that the world has ever seen. And 2,000 years later, we are still reading his words and listening to his sermons and being inspired by his life. And just as Paul found himself in the center of God's will, a place that he had been so far from for a great deal of his life, just as he found himself in the center of God's will, the Bible says that he was stricken. He was stricken with some illness, with some thorn in the flesh. And people debate about what this thing was over and over. And there are different ideas. I don't know what it was, but it was something that affected him physically. It was something that, that, that he felt hindered his mission. He felt that it hindered him from being what God wanted him to be. And it wasn't going away. It had been with him. It was his new normal. Have you ever felt that way in your life? I mean, have you ever taken your problems and your strife and you've you've kind of framed them in in, in that sort of in that sort of category where, God, I'm not just asking You to, to take away my burdens. I'm not just asking You to take away my struggles. Lord, I'm asking You to take these things away because these things are keeping me from really serving You. These things are keeping me from being the tool, from being the vessel that that I believe that You want me to be. But I think I know what You want me to be. And is keeping me from being that. And so when I pray to God, I feel like, "Listen, this makes sense to me." And so the Bible says, the Bible says that Paul had this thorn in the flesh. But it's interesting to me if you open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians and a great deal, most of our texts will come from there of how Paul talked about his thorn in the flesh. And I want you to contrast this with how you speak of your thorn in the flesh. You've got one, don't you? You've got that, that new normal. You've got that thing that you're struggling with. A lot of you shared that last week. Paul spoke of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he said, He said, In order to keep me from exalting my, my, myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. So there was given me. It's the same word that, that, that you might have used when you talk about someone giving you a Christmas present or giving you a blessing or giving you something good. Paul uses that, that, that same terminology of this, is, this, is, this was the gift. This is the thing that God bestowed upon me. Understand, he says, there was a purpose behind it. There was a purpose behind it. The purpose of this gift was to keep Paul from exalting himself. You ever known an arrogant person? You ever known an arrogant preacher? You ever known someone who thought that they were better than everyone else? You ever known that person? Did you like that person? Did you want to listen to that person? No, you didn't. Can you imagine the harm that could have been done in this world if Paul had been filled with how great he was? If Paul had been filled with pride, if Paul, all he wanted to do was talk about how he had done so much more than everyone else and was so much more than everyone else, it would have been devastating. Not only to Paul, but it would have been devastating to the church. And Paul, as he writes about this thorn, this thorn which was not a simple thing, which was not a pleasant thing, which was not something that, that he wanted, or was not something that, that, that he enjoyed. He said that God gave this to me. He didn't say God cursed me with this thing. He didn't say that God plagued me or God punished me with this thing. He said that God gave me this thing. And he says there was a purpose behind it. That purpose was to keep Him from exalting Himself. He said it was a messenger of Satan. But he says God is the One. God is the One that this came from. Friends, when we feel Satan in our life, do we feel the hand of God? Do we talk about the devil has done this and the devil has done that? Or do we take time to step back and say, God is in control? And God, if He has allowed this, must have a purpose for this. This is a big step for us. This is a huge step. This is a mature step. It's a hard step. Do I feel the hand of God? I know that we feel the hand of Satan. I know that we feel the hand of evil and of sin and of heart I know that we feel all of that. What I'm asking is, do we feel the hand of God? Do we stop to entertain that even the most difficult things in our life may be things that God is using for a purpose? And it may be a purpose that we understand, and it may be a purpose that we will never understand. It may be a purpose that has to do with us immediately, or it may be a purpose that that won't see its its, its fruition for, for lifetimes or for generations. When I'm in the midst of the storm, can I be a man who stands for a moment to say, God has given this to me. God is the One who has placed me here. Because I want to tell you, you are nowhere that God has not allowed you to be. And we want to say, well, what about this and what about that? And I don't like God is the God of all this world. He is our great sustainer. He is the One who is in control of all things. And the devil does not breathe, lest God allows him to breathe. I come to a new normal. And I know that I see the bad. But can I come to a place where I might, I might even see some purpose behind it? So Paul, what does he do? Well, he does the same thing that we would do. What would you do? What would you do if you, you became, had this debilitating thing? Oh, of course he prayed. He prayed. That's what you do. That's what you do in your home. That's what you do when you call your brother. That's what you do when you come to the pray for me. Pray that God would heal me, pray that God would strengthen me. And so in verse eight, the Bible says, concerning this, I entreated the Lord, I begged the Lord three times that it might depart from me. When something is bothering me, I ask God take it away. Take it away. Get rid of it. I don't want it in my life anymore. Probably not just saying that Paul had three prayers, one on Monday, one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday, and after God didn't listen, he said, oh, I guess that's the way it is. I don't think that's what he's saying here. He begged the Lord. He pleaded with the Lord. Some people speculate that he's saying that at three, during three seasons of my life, during three times of my life, when this became to be a big deal, when this became a burden and a plague on me, when this thing that I've been dealing with, when it just became unbearable, I begged and I pleaded, not once. It wasn't the first time that I'd gone to talk to God. It wasn't the first time that I'd buried my soul. Not twice, but Three times. I pleaded with my God who loves me and who is there and who knows me and who is not angry at me. I pleaded with him, change this. This thing, this normal, this thing that I'm getting up every day and I'm living with, change this. You have the power to do that. You have the power to do things that I don't understand. And so I'm coming to you. I'm not going to these people. I'm not going to myself. I'm going to the one who can't actually change things in this world. And God said no. He said no. Have you prayed the prayer and God said no? There are those in this world who say that one of the reasons that our prayers haven't been answered is simply because we don't have enough faith. It's just not true. God didn't say no because Paul didn't have enough faith. Paul had enough faith to fill this room. Paul believed in God. That's why he turned to God. Paul did not ask wavering. He did not ask in a double-minded way. He did not ask simply for his own personal interests. And God still said no. Can you relate to Paul? I've asked and I've asked and I've asked. And I've got on my knees, and I've shed tears, and I've I, I, I've been consumed by these things, and you haven't done anything. But he answered, he answered in verse nine, and he's he has Paul said, and he has said to me, don't you wish, don't you wish sometimes when God says no that that you could say, but God but God spoke to me. But God kind of filled me in on, on what He was doing. God, God kind of gave me a little pep talk. Wouldn't that be nice sometimes? Right? I mean, I believe God is there, but sometimes if God would just say, hey, I'm here. Right? He did that for Paul. And He doesn't always do that for us, but, he, but, but the reason that this is here, the reason that those things we talked about last week are in the Word of God, it's for our benefit, not just for theirs. Because the same message is true. Paul, I'm not going to take it away. I could. I'm not going to. It's got a purpose in your life. It's got a purpose in your life. And I'm not going to take it away, but I'll tell you this. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. The answer the answer is no. And the answer is still no. And if you ask again, the answer is going to be no. But I will give you strength. I will give you the strength that you need to bear this cross. I'll give you the strength that you need to bear this burden, to press on in your life. And Paul began to understand something that I pray that we will begin to understand. That God's power is seen. God's power reaches its full potential when we are the weakest. And that goes contrary to everything that I like and everything that I feel. And that's one of the, str- one of the reasons that I struggle to deal with this, these messes of life. Because I want for God to show His power through my strength. Lord, make me into a great man. Make me strong. And make me bold. And, and give, bless me with talents and abilities. And let me be your man on the mountaintop. And that makes sense to me. And God says that's not the way that it works. Because if you're great because you're great, you don't need God. And if you're great because God is great, it is a reflection of your own weakness. As you struggle with these things in your life and you begin to understand, listen, this new normal that I, that, that, that I find my, myself in, this new, this new normal that I find myself in. This thing that is painful. This thing that is deliberate debilitating. This thing that it appears is going to be permanent. God makes us a promise that He will give us what we need. That He will be our strength. That His grace is sufficient for me there is a promise. That we be a people who see in the midst of our new normal, whatever it is, that we come to see that our God is there, and our God is there with a purpose, and our God is there with a promise. And Paul is not one who is just filled with words. He continues in verse 9 to say, say, "...most gladly therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness that the power of Christ may, be, may dwell in me. What are you going to do, Paul? I mean, my plan was for it to go away and me to get on with life. God says, it's not going to go away because I've got a purpose for it, but I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to, I'm going to show my power through you. So what are you going to do? Because you have to do something. And that's when we get into those options and a lot of those options that aren't so good I could run away. I could become cold. I could become hard. I could become bitter. I could could drink my sorrows away. I could shoot something into my arm. I could do all those options that, that, that are no good. So what are you going to do, Paul? Here's what Paul says about his weakness, about his thorn in the flesh, about his new normal. He says, I'm going to boast in it. I'm gonna glory in it. I'm gonna roll around in it. All this talk about not letting this thing define me, I'm going to let this thing define me. Why? So that people can see the power of my God. So that people can see the power of Christ that is dwelling in me. You can, hey, did you hear about so and so? Did you hear about what they're dealing with? Hey, you can talk to them. Yeah, if you bring it up, listen, what do we generally do? What do we generally do when, when we have that thorn in the flesh and we're, and we're in that new normal? Well, what, what do we want to do? We want to hide it. We want to downplay it. We want to act like it's no big deal. We want, we want, we want to try to, 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 to dodge it, to make excuses to it. Paul says, forget that. How's that working for us, folks? How's it working for us? Taking our struggles and taking our new normals and acting like they don't exist. It's not working at all. Paul says, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to own it. I'm going to talk to people about it. I'm going to talk to people about the most painful part of my life, about the most difficult part of my life. I'm going to glory in those things. Someone once said that embracing your inability is a prerequisite to experiencing Christ's ability. Embracing your inability is a prerequisite to experiencing Christ's ability. And we tend to hide, and we tend to persuade, and we tend to lie. And when we get over that, and we begin to see those struggles of our life, A place that we find ourselves that we really don't want to be. We begin to see those things as a gift that God has given to us. Friends, it is only then that we can see and experience the power of God. Paul says, this affects everything in my life. So I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake. Paul's not some masochistic individual who says, I love to hurt, I love to suffer. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that when those things come, my perception has been changed. And I do not just feel Satan working in my life, but I feel the hand of God. I feel a purpose and I feel a promise. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That, friends, is not the American way. But it is God's way. And it is the only way that we will ever come to peace, that we will ever have the storm raging around us, and we'll be able to sleep like a baby when we understand that God is there and God is in control. And that is why, that is why the grace of God operates in our new normal. In order, in order, Paul said in verse 7, to keep me from exalting myself, it is a gift. Can I challenge you this morning? This is not an easy challenge. And I don't take this lightly. Because as I already said, I know that the things that you deal with and the things that you struggle with are real and they're big. And and that's the reason you've been struggling with them and you've been dealing with them. Can I challenge you to take a moment to step back and to frame those things within the context of our all-powerful God? the midst of your new normal, that our God is there with a purpose and with a promise? Can I challenge you for just a moment, just a moment, to not simply see those things as a product of the enemy working in your life? Friends, it is then that something powerful can happen. When I begin to understand God is doing something. God is doing something with my situation. God is doing something with with this mess that I call a life. God is going to do something with this situation. God is going to do something with with this new normal. My God has made a promise. And He has a purpose in my life. You see, do you really believe? Do you really believe that you serve a God that, that if He wanted to do something if he wanted to do something about your situation, that he could do something about your situation? Do you really believe that if God wanted to, he could heal you? Do you really believe that if God wanted to, he could open up a door? Do you really believe that if God wanted to, he could bless you with all those physical things? Do you really believe that if God wanted to, he could bring someone back from the dead, Do you really believe that about God? About your God? I think that you do. But friends, if I really believe that my God can change my circumstances, but for some reason, this God that I know is there and I know that He cares, for some reason He's chosen not to. That's a deep well. Well, For some reason, He has chosen not to. And in that moment, you have the option. You have the option to receive your new normal as a gift. As a gift that has a promise and a purpose behind it. And it can change your attitude and your perspective. Friends, the purpose you may not know. You may spend hours and days and months trying to understand why God, what are you doing, God? You, you, you may not ever know, you may not ever know the purpose behind your new normal, but you'll always know the promise that God is with you and that His grace is sufficient for you. I say, I say that you have the option because I, I can't make you believe that. I can't make you embrace that. I can't always even make myself embrace that. You're going to have to come to this reality on your own. You're going to have to grow in your faith. You're going to have to grow in your situation to come to a point where I can look my mess, my life, my new normal in the eye, that thing that I can't do anything about, but that I would give anything to get rid of and say, this is of God. What does God want from me here I remember at times in my life my wife trying to talk to me about the hand of God and the purpose of God and God putting me and having me right where he wanted to be and I want to tell you on more than one occasion I didn't want to hear that I didn't want to hear it you know what I wanted to be I wanted to be mad I want to be upset and I want to to shed my tears and I just want to be angry and I just want them to fix it. You have the option. A lot of people take the option, A, to be angry and to be mad and to be upset and allow it to ruin everything for the rest of their life. In many cases, even to take their own faith away. Or you have the option to see this as coming from Him, as coming from your God. Friends, it is there and only there that you will find the peace that passes understanding. See, we're not the only people that have ever dealt with this issue in our life. As a matter of fact, our Savior has dealt with this issue, has He not? Has He came to the garden? as He came to the crucifixion? As he came to his situation in life, and everything in his life had, had 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 led up had led up to this point. And Jesus comes to the to the Father there in Luke chapter twenty two, and he begins to wrestle. He begins to wrestle in the same way that you wrestle, or in the same way that I wrestle, wrestle with his current reality and the things that were coming. And he prayed to his father, Luke twenty two and verse forty two Father, if you are willing, what is he saying? I know that you can. I know that you have the power. I know that you can change my circumstance. I know that you can change my situation. You just have to be willing to do it. If you are willing, then remove this cup from me. So what I'm asking you to do He's asking him to do the same thing that we ask God to do when we find ourselves in those situations. Take it away. Take it away. When you go to the doctor and you're hurting, what do you want? Take away my pain. Quit the hurting. That's what he's praying to his his father to. Take this cup away from me. But not my will, but thine will be done. And His heavenly Father who knew Him and who loved Him and who was there said, He said no. He said no. Because what was going to happen on that day had a purpose. What possible purpose could the crucifixion of the Son of God have? The salvation of all the world. There are those moments in your life where you will enter and you will and you will walk hand in hand with your savior you will join in his suffering as peter talks about over and over in first peter those moments in your life that you would never you would never choose those things again you wouldn't wish them upon your worst enemy but you also look at your life and you realize that you have learned things about yourself and your god that you would never turn loose of you would never choose it again but you would not give anything for what God has done through it to help and to encourage others. Because you begin to understand that curse was really a gift. A gift that had a promise and a gift that had a purpose. The good news, friends, the good news is that we can ask. We can ask God to to take away our cups, to remove our thorns, the bad news is, sometimes God can say no. And that's where we find ourselves living. But everyone who is here this morning, who is a Christian, who is saved by the grace of God, everyone who is here this morning as a Christian is grateful that 2,000 years ago, when his son asked for the thorn to be removed, his father said no that's made all the difference I don't know what you're struggling with I really don't but whatever it is may I invite you for just a moment to step back and to feel the hand of God to embrace His purposes if we may never be able to see or understand but may we have confidence in knowing that He has them and to embrace His promises to be with us and to strengthen us in the midst of our new normal. And if you have a need this morning to come for the power of Christ, to come to be washed in His blood, to come to receive His forgiveness, to come to receive His strength, to come as His child for endurance through this life that you live. Come and be a part of His plan as we stand and sing.